We're talking about discipleship, that period of time from the time we're saved, becoming a disciple, until the time we die to go to be with Jesus. And so in between those two points is what we call discipleship, that time of learning, growing, becoming like Christ. And so tonight we look at the purpose of it. Why do we need to become like Christ, Christ-like through discipleship? And we go to Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. The Bible says, so I told you this and insist on it. So I tell you this, not told you. I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So when he's saying Gentiles here, he's meaning lost people. Don't live like lost people do. Don't act like lost people act. Don't do the things lost people do. In other words, before you got saved, you acted like a lost person. And we ask the question sometimes, well, why does a lost person act like that? And the answer is because they're lost. And so he's saying here, I tell you this, what God says, and I insist on the Lord, don't live like the Gentiles do, which means in the futility of their thinking, which means what? To be devoid of the truth, meaning they don't have the truth. The lost person is not living by the truth. They're not applying the truth. They're not listening to the truth. And so they're devoid of truth. And their minds are focused on three things. Useless, inappropriate, and empty ways of thinking. A lost person is going around thinking of things that are that are really useless, that don't amount to anything, that don't help them in any kind of way, that don't help them to grow, that doesn't help them to be more like Jesus. And they're <clears throat> thinking about inappropriate things, things you don't need to be thinking about, and just empty ways of thinking, just empty ways leading to emptiness. Uh, one thing we say about a lost person, or we say about when I was lost anyway, I'll speak for myself, that there was an emptiness there. And as that emptiness tries to be filled in so many different kinds of ways, that's the lost person. So there's empty ways of thinking. There's an emptiness there, and that's how they're thinking. So he simply says, no longer live like that. Maybe you did at one time, but now not. So they're darkened in their understanding, talking about the Gentiles, lost people. They're darkened in their understanding, and they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is due, that is in them, due to the hardening of their hearts. So there's something going on in their life called ignorance. If you are ignorant, what are you? All right, void of knowledge, ignorant. Any other way? All right, what's the difference in ignorant and stupid? All right, there you go. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? Ignorant, just devoid of knowledge, as he said, and ignorant, I just don't know any better. Why did you do that? Well, I didn't know. I just, I just didn't know. I didn't know. And so we don't have the knowledge about that, whatever that is. But as we say, as he said, when we're stupid, I knew better to do that, and I did it anyway. And so there's a difference there. So he's saying here that there's, there's an ignorance in the lost person that, why are you acting that way? Why are you doing that? You know the Bible says this, and God says that, and they're ignorant to the truth. And so they just continue living in this futility of their thinking, the useless, inappropriate, empty ways of thinking, and it leads to simply this darkened understanding <clears throat> about Christ and a separation from God because they're not getting God's revelation. God's revelation comes to us through His Word. God reveals Himself. Word revelation means revealing. God reveals Himself, who He is, through His Word, and so they're ignorant of the Word, and they don't understand the Word, and God is not showing them because their hearts are darkened, and they're not thinking the ways God wants them to think, and so therefore they're just continuing in this downward spiral. And also he said they have a hardening of the heart, 
Now, that's to be insensitive to God. You ever had anybody tell you that you're insensitive? Or have you ever told anybody you're insensitive? You know, if you tell somebody they're insensitive or you talk, think, you might not ever tell them, but you think they are. Uh, if you think somebody's insensitive, what does that mean? You're just insensitive. Aren't uncaring, he says. You know the words? Where's the compassion? Being insensitive means to be uncaring, uncompassionate. Where's the compassion for somebody? And so God is saying here that the hardening of the heart is allowing us and causing us to be insensitive to God, not caring about what God says, not caring about what God wants, not having any compassion toward God. God, I, I want your love. I need your love. There's an emptiness in, not, in me, and so I, I don't know how to feel it, but you do, and so I ask you to come and be with me. But there's an insensitivity toward God and toward His ways, what God wants, His will and His ways. And so there's that hardening of the heart, just not listening to God, not paying attention to God, not knowing what He says in His Word, not listening to the truth of Him, and therefore becoming insensitive to what God really wants for us. So it's going further. It's got one more here. And he says, having lost all sensitivity, these Gentiles, these lost people, that there's been a hardening of the heart, there's been a futility of the thinking, uh, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. And so again, asking that question, why does lost people do what they do? Because they're lost. Why do they keep going further and further and thinking up more and more things they can do getting further away from God, further away from what God wants, His will, His word, His truth. Why is that happening? Because there's this indulging in it. Well, I'm going to do this today. Well, that was pretty good. I think I'll do this tomorrow and, and just keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, a lot of times they call, they, they try to say marijuana is not that bad. And so we need to legalize it worldwide or nationwide. And a lot of states already have legalized marijuana and they simply call it a gateway drug. Meaning they start there with marijuana because it's easy to get, not that expensive. And, uh, you know, go ahead and use it because it's not that big of a fine if you get caught. You know, pay a little bit and, and be on your way, that sort of thing. But the problem with marijuana is that it leads to other things because as you become indulging in that, well, that's pretty good. Well, here's something different, something new, something else. Well, let me try that. And so that leads to something else, and it just keeps going, going, going. And so there's never enough. There's never satisfaction. And so here he's talking about uh, lacking sensitivity, and so it leads to sensuality, indulging in more things that are impure, continual lust for more. And I'm just using drugs as one example. It's just the things of the world. I'm just not satisfied with that. I want something more. I need something more. Uh, there's an emptiness within me, and I'm going to fill it up with all things world. And so to... Okay. All right, no sense of shame, yeah. Uh, there's no shame there. You know, there, yeah, just keep on keeping on. You know, it's just, it's just who I am. It's just what I do. And, and the world looks in there, or the Christians look in there and say, that's so shameful the way you're acting, the things you're doing. And for them, it's, that's no shame. It's just how I act, just what I do. It's just where I go. What's the big deal? Leave me alone. And so, yeah, there's no shame there. And there's just more and more they want. So to lose all sensitivity is become selfish. It's just what I want to do. I don't care what my wife wants, what the children wants, what the boss of, at work wants, what the teacher at school wants. It doesn't matter. It's just what I want to do. 
and there's no sensitivity there. There's selfishness there. They live without personal self-control. I'm just going to live like I want to live and do what I want to do. You leave me alone. You quit telling me what I need to stop doing and, and just stop talking about it. And they do everything I want to do. Well, why'd you do that? Why, why'd you go there? Because I wanted to. Why'd you get involved in that? Because I wanted to. Why'd you treat them that way? Because I wanted to. Without consideration for the needs of others. Well, did you ever think about, you know, call somebody's name? Well, no, I wasn't worried about them. I'm just worried about me. And so there's that kind of that downward spiral that the person goes, starting back in verse 17 and, and moving through here. And so let's, let's replay it all again. So I tell you this and insist on the Lord. No longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking, useless, inappropriate, empty thinking. They're darkened in their understanding of God and God's ways, and they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is due them, that is in them due to the hardening of the heart. So they're uh, becoming harder to what God wants. Uh, the heart's just becoming more insensitive to God's ways. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more and find no shame in it. And so they're just moving further from God, God's ways, doing life like they want to do it, living like they want to live and seeing no problem with it. But then in verse 20, he changes it around. He turns the page, if you will. And it says, you, talking to us as Christians, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. These things he just got through talking about, you didn't, that's not anything to do with Christ. You didn't come to know Christ through the futility of the thinking and hardening of your heart and a continual lust for more things of the world. It wasn't that way when you came to know Christ, when you were born again. Surely you heard of Him and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. And so it's however it happened, whether it was you were in church as a child or a teenager or a young person and a Sunday school teacher began to teach you or you began to hear the Word from, from the preacher or however you heard it or somebody sat down with you and said, let me show you what God says. And at some point in your life, you absorbed it, you heard it, you understood it, and you accepted it, and you wanted that. You heard of Him. You were taught in Him with accordance to the truth is in Jesus. Uh, Cheryl's former pastor uh, tells his testimony, told his testimony a couple of years ago, or last year, I guess, when we were at uh, Regroup, uh, told about him living this you know, lifestyle that he wanted. He lived the way he wanted to live, that kind of thing. He's married. And his wife kept saying, let's go to church, go to church. She'd go, he, he wouldn't. She'd go, he wouldn't. And finally one day he went, Easter Sunday, I believe it was. Easter Sunday. And he said, of all things, the preacher preached about salvation. And he said he got saved. And his whole life turned around from there and just a totally different person because he was taught. He was he heard it. He understood it, the truth of Jesus for the first time in his life, and he got it. And so it is with you and I. We, we may hear it over and over and over and over for a period of time, maybe it's months or years, and then one day, I got it. Why didn't I see it earlier? So he says, you've heard of him. You were taught in him with accordance of the truth that is in Jesus, the only truth. The truth. So for the disciple of Christ, a couple of things here, three things here. First of, my, first of all, our minds are no longer darkened. We saw the light. We came into the light, as John 3 talks about. Uh, when we're saved, we come into the light. We, Jesus is the light, and we came to Him. We're no longer in darkness. We're now in the light. Our lives are no longer alienated from God. We were once aliens, Ephesians says, and Galatians says, and Romans says. At one time, we were without Christ. We were aliens 
to him and his kingdom. And now we don't live that way anymore. Our hearts no longer hardened. We now have a soft and pliable heart, kind of like Play-Doh. If you've ever taken Play-Doh and, you know, you can manipulate it with your hand uh, and, and mush it and squash it and shape it and all that, that's the way our heart is when we get saved. Jesus is able to take our heart and manipulate it and move it and mush it, if you will, and change it and make it more like His heart. We're no longer a hardened heart to God. We don't say, God, I'm not going there. No, I'm not doing that. You can't make me. We have a heart that's ready to be manipulated by Christ. Then it goes on to say, you were taught. So he said in verse 20, you however did not come to know Christ that way. You were taught with regard to your former way of life before you got saved to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Those first three verses of being separated, darkened, and going in the wrong direction. Uh, We were being corrupted. There was deceit about us. Our own desires were about us. But to put off that old self is literally to take off the old clothes. That's what he means by put off your old self. Take off the old clothes. Uh, When we are a lost person, we wear we have on a set of clothing, if you will, spiritually speaking. And those are the clothes we wear of a lost person. The worldly ways, things of the world, following Satan, not following God. And so now he's saying, now that we're saved, we take off those old clothes. We get rid of them. We put them down. Uh, we wore those before we became a disciple of Christ. And now we're literally just taking off clothes. But see, that's part of discipleship. Because as we take off that first layer and get rid of that, we learn something about truth. We learn something about Jesus. We learned and understood Oh, I don't need to do that. Let me take that off. Let me get rid of that. And But yet underneath, there's some more clothing that needs to come off. And at some point, the truth convicts us of that. Oh, I need to get rid of that clothing too. And so we take that clothing off. And all through our lifetime, we're just continually taking off this old clothing that we got while we were lost. And now we're, as we're saved, we're just taking that off one piece at a time as we walk with Jesus. So... Then he goes on, let me, let me get verse 22 again, so we can continue with 23. You were taught with your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And there it is, to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So we got some things to do. We're taking some things off, but we're putting some things on because their attitude is changing. If you had to define the word attitude, what, what would you do to define the word attitude? Attitude. You have an attitude. What is that? Okay. Where you act? Okay. How you feel about something? So before you have an action, the way you act, what do you have to have first? Attitude. A thought. Before we let something, before we let a word come out of our mouth, we formed the word in our mind, didn't we? Now, sometimes people talk about, well, you know, you speak before you think and uh, you let that word slip out or something like that, but it's still up there to start with. And before it came out uh, in an action, in a word, it was in our mind. Same thing with action. Before we do something, it comes out of our mind first. And so to be made new in the attitude of our minds, the way we think, is to go through a renovation. Sometimes people's homes are renovated. Uh, maybe you renovated your home before. You just, or renovated a room. Uh, you went into a room and you tore out all the carpet and you 
uh, took down the wallpaper and you took down the blinds and you put up new curtains and painted the walls, put down new flooring. You renovated it. You made it new. You said the old room or the old house, the way it used to look, I just want something different. I want something new and different. It's been that way for, you know, X number of years and it's time for a change. And so you go into that room or that house and you renovate it. Same thing with our minds. Same thing with our hearts, our minds, our souls, our very life. We renovate it to get a new attitude and that results in a new mind. So that old mind that we had before we got saved thought a certain way like a lost person. And now we got saved and so little by little we're taking off the old clothing. Our attitudes are changing. Oh, God wants this and God wants that. Okay, I'm getting it. I'm taking off the old clothing. My mind is changing slowly but surely about what God says. I used to disagree with that. I used to not absorb that. I used to not understand that. But now I'm getting it. Now I'm hanging on to it. Now I realize what God is saying to me and I'm getting a new attitude. So therefore our minds are changing. We're getting a different mind. We're getting a new and renovated mind. Just like renovating that room, taking out the old stuff, putting in the new stuff. Same thing with our mind. Do you think there's things in your mind today that just don't need to be there? Do you think there's things you think that you don't need to think? You know, there, there's just some things up there that maybe happened to us or maybe we did or just some thoughts or some memories or some ways that are still up in here. And they come back every now and then. Something reminds us of it. We watch a TV program or something happened or something is said and boy, here it comes. Oh, I didn't, I hadn't thought about that in years and now here it is again. And, you know, it's just not good. And so those are the things that need to be renovated. And that's that discipleship process. Day by day, week by week, month by month, and year by year, we're just taking off the old clothes, renovating the mind, getting a different mind. And so disciples of Jesus now are new people in Christ, and we can't live as lost people anymore. We can't live with the values of a lost person. A lost person doesn't value life, for one thing. Uh, to the lost person, abortion is nothing. So we go kill babies. <laughs> you know, I didn't want it. And if they didn't want it, well, okay, so what? And so just the values of life, if nothing else, and the value of God's Word and the value of the church and the value of truth and the value of God's ways, moralities, value of lifestyle. Lost people have a different lifestyle. They, they just don't live like Christian people. They don't dress like Christian people and don't act like it. And the principles of the way they live, and, you know, somebody would say, I already mentioned marijuana, but somebody would say, all right, here you go. Lost person says, there's not a verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt not smoke marijuana. So there you go, preacher. What are you going to do about that? See there? Now I, I got that principle out there. Doesn't say it. So it's okay, isn't it? So what would you say? Somebody says to you, Scripture doesn't say there's a... I mean, Scripture doesn't say there's... Uh, thou shalt not. He says if it changes the way you normally are, that's a sin. Okay. That, that marijuana changes you. <clears throat> All right. It makes you. Okay. Do things you wouldn't normally do. That's right. Do things you wouldn't normally do without the substance in you. Okay. Uh, the scripture talks about your body is the temple of the, temple of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, you can go find scriptures that have the principles behind it that it may not say that exact thing about that subject, but it does say many things about the body, uh, the mind, the spirit, uh, the direction that God wants us to go. And so the world lives with different principles. 
but also different habits, things they do, things they don't do. And so we are called not to live like lost people with those values, lifestyles, principles, and habits that we once had. So, summing it up, five things here. Becoming Christ-like through discipleship was our title. What's that mean? Taking off the old clothing in the world's kingdom. As we're lost, we're putting on certain clothing because that's just the way we lived, things we did, places we went. So we're putting on that clothing that we were comfortable with. Now that we're saved, we're getting that old clothing off. We're taking it off a piece at a time. But here's the good thing. We're putting on new clothing. That old clothing we take off as we're walking with Christ in discipleship along our journey, we're putting on some new clothing. We're changing our ways, changing our values, changing our principles, one piece of clothing at a time. We're also learning truth from Jesus, capital T, truth. Uh, the world has a problem with absolute truth. <clears throat> the world says there's no, really no absolute truth, meaning there is no black and white, right and wrong, one uh, fence down the middle, wrong on one side, right on the other. There's always multiple ways to look at it, ways of changing it, you know, it's what the world's saying. But Jesus says <clears throat> there's an absolute truth found in God's Word. And so we're learning that, becoming uh, in our discipleship, taking off the old, putting on the new, learning truth. But we're also getting that renovated mind where our mind is constantly being renovated. We're constantly getting the old thoughts out and putting new thoughts in. <clears throat> and finally, we're becoming righteous and holy. As a result of this discipleship becoming more Christ-like, we're constantly becoming more righteous and we're constantly becoming more holy. We're constantly being more like Jesus every day. And so to finally close it out with one verse, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Cheryl pointed it out to me this morning as we were sitting in Sunday school that she had it highlighted. And then a little mark by it, it says uh, in her Bible that uh, my favorite scripture when I got saved Romans 12, 1 and 2, because that's what it's talking about with me. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Conform means to be molded to it. Uh, sometimes you uh, maybe bake uh, cookies or cake and you have maybe a heart-shaped uh, pan and, and you put the fluid in there, you put stuff in there, the cake mix and all, and, and when you bake it, it comes out looking like a heart. It's molded, it's conformed to look like a heart. Well, we're not to be conformed to the pattern of the world. We're not to look like the world looks anymore. Act like the world looks. No longer conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed, be that renovation that we talked about a moment ago, getting new things by the renewing of the mind. Our mind is what has to be changed. When we get saved, we get a new heart. Holy Spirit comes to live in us. Settled. We're going to die and go to heaven no matter what. But our mind lags behind. Because up here is our thoughts, up here is our memories, up here is our values, ways of thinking, and those things are still lagging behind our heart. We've got a new heart, born again, saved, Holy Spirit living in us, but our mind still wants to think about things from when we were lost. And so we're not, we're not to be conformed to the pattern of the world anymore, don't know do what the world is, but be transformed, made new by the renewing of the mind. Renovation going on all the time. So it's not a one... One thing, one one act deal. It's continual. <clears throat> Just like the room we were talking about a while ago, we're continually renovating the room called our mind. Then, once we do this, not conform to the world, be transformed by the renewing of the mind, 
then we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. God, what do you want for me? God, what do you want me to do? God, where do you want me to go? God, how do you want me to act? God, what about this? What about that? All the things of God's will. What is your will in this question that I've got, God? We'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. But we can't know that until we stop conforming to the world and our mind is transformed to become Christ-like. Then we can know His will. God, what do you want for me in, and we fill in the blank, good, pleasing, and perfect will. Know His will this week. Become more Christ-like this week as a result of that mind changing right up here.